0: Well, howdy, y'all. If you don't know by now, you can ease aches, pains, inflammation, and arthritis with topical CBD. Cosmetics Hemp Pain Cream provides immediate relief by combining the powerful regenerative properties of CBD with other botanical ingredients. Each bottle of Cosmetics Hemp Pain Cream is packed with 400 milligrams of their patented water-soluble CBD that ensures maximum absorption into the skin. Be kind to your skin. And head over to causemedicated.com, C-A-U-S-E, medicated.com. Use the South of Scruffy promo code SOS20 and get 20% off of your entire order. Let's do the show. Welcome in, y'all. Thanks for being here. South of Scruffy podcast. My name is Ben Fields. I am the host of this podcast, and I have no idea what the hell is going on out there. The entire world is shut down, it seems like. Uh, people in California can't leave their house. I'm sure that's sweeping across the nation. Total lockdown, man. Scary stuff. We've got the podcast, though. <laughs> Thank you guys for being here, and thanks for listening. I got Jack Parker on the show today. Jack Parker is a commercial still photographer. He races motorcycles vintage motorcycles he builds them then he races them and then he wins national championships he's a wonderful dude Jack and I have been buddies for a while now Jack is a man of many many talents he's a real Renaissance man and we we touched on a few of the things uh, that Jack is uh, that keep Jack busy our conversation struck a bit of a somber tone I think just because we're in a time of uncertainty right now we're trying to figure out what's what's real, what's not, what to believe, what information to listen to, where to get your information from, uh, and and then what to do, how to behave, how to act. It seems like there's no rule book, but it seems like everything is on fire and we are having to figure out what to do on the fly. And it's scary. Still, Jack and I were able to have, I think, a great conversation and I am very honored, and grateful that he stopped by. And I hope you guys enjoy our chat. Ladies and gentlemen, Jack Parker.
1: We're not going to get arrested in here, are we?
0: (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) It's probably on their map by now. Let me throw these on. Jack Parker. How are you? Doing pretty good what are you what are you up to what are you doing <laughs> are you quarantined
1: I'm quarantined
0: <laughs> I feel like that's uh the best thing anybody could ever tell you to do would be stay at home <laughs> for a little while <laughs> gets gets boring
1: gets boring uh no it's not boring yet
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> it's a bummer that you're doing this during all this quarantine stuff it's like that's all anybody can talk about. I don't want to talk about it. We you just did. You started it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like, it's consuming.
0: It is. It's, it's what everybody's thinking about. It's on everybody's radar. It's,
1: what do you think about it? We might as well just talk about it.
0: I don't know what to think about it. I hope that the information I'm getting about it's right. Where are you getting your information? Um, I'm reading... Um, I'm I'm reading as much as I can from the CDC. What I think is the CDC. Yeah, how do you know? <laughs> yeah. Um trying to take uh infectious disease articles that I read and it sounds um sounds mixed mixed baggy, you know? Um some people are saying, you know, it's going to proliferate to the point where you know, half a million people in the world get it. And then, you know, other places you look right now, I mean, there's been fewer than 10,000 deaths across the world right. from it, you know? And so when you look at those kinds of numbers, it's, it's kind of, I don't know. It seems silly. It seems silly. So I don't know. I feel like there's a, there's a, I feel like there's a um, deficit of, of reliable information, because I also feel like it's very much being weaponized They're politically. Shaming us. Who?
1: I don't know. Everybody's shaming us. Everybody who likes this whole let's get sick thing. What like do you we're mean? being shamed into compliance. That's what I was talking about earlier.
0: Yeah. It, it, that's, that's the kind of weird <clears throat> thing, too, is that somebody says, you know, only 10 people can be around. You can only be around 10 people. Which 10? Right. Well, yeah, that and like, okay. Same so,
1: 10 as yesterday or does that count? I don't know.
0: Well, and then and then it's like, okay, I'm going to take your word for it. So now do I take your word for it? The next thing you say to, when you say just your family, do I do that? And then so, so now are you the authority?
1: Yeah. I just had this whole conversation about it because, so if you're going to the store, you're using your card and you're signing the, the little signature pad right. with a plastic pen that everybody in front of you signed with. Yeah. Because it's attached to the keypad. So how so I'm not supposed to go over to my friend's house, but I'm going to the grocery store where a thousand people use the keypad?
0: Right. I don't know. Well, what's your take like from a high from a thirty thousand foot perspective? What do you think it what do you think it is? What do you think it's do you think it's being do you think people are using it to to push agendas?
1: No, I think people uh, like drama, and it's just it's the new drama.
0: Well, it's shut down the United States pretty much. Right, it's very dramatic. It is, and I'm, that part worries me. the The perception right now is the part that's worrying me, and that's because I don't have anybody around me who's been sick or anything, you know, yet. But the reaction to it and the perception from it has already been very damaging. And will probably continue to be. We've probably just barely seen it, seen what's going to happen. So to me, it's, al- it's already done plenty of damage, no matter how many people, you know, how yeah, many people it affects. it's yeah.
1: And it's all escalated in three days. Let's talk about something different. This you... is depressing.
0: <laughs> okay. What are you working on?
1: I'm working on an RV. What kind of RV? A 1976 Travco L'Esprit.
0: L'Esprit? It's French. It's French? Yeah. What's a Travco?
1: Travco's a fiberless bodied RV.
0: And is what what's the motor inside of it? What's the the It's van? a Dodge power train. It's got like a Dodge Mopar 440. Like a big like a van body or it's like a good. van chassis? Yeah, it's on a van chassis with a van front. What are you doing with it? I'm decking it out. You know what I'm doing
1: with it. You've seen it.
0: Yeah. Well, what's it going to
1: be when you're done? Um it's going to be uh, fresh, but 70s looking. Like shag carpet and lime green? Yep. <laughs> and shiny lime green. What are you going to do with it? I'm going to cruise around in it. I'm going to go camping. And I don't like camping. I'm going to the racetrack in it. That's what I'm going to do. It's my new race transporter. What would you use before? A big, ugly, modern one that's broken sitting in St. Louis right now.
0: Racing? Racing motorcycles, right? Right. Okay. So you race... Like what vintage motorcycles? That's right. Small ones, big ones, medium ones, medium ones. All right. And I keep hearing GP. What's GP? Grand Prix. Uh huh. What's that mean? I don't know. It's <laughs> just what they call it. <laughs> really?
1: It's any, and it's anything from like it's it's any uh, race only bike with no lights and no fenders up to nineteen sixty eight.
0: Is what the vintage part of it
1: is. It's what the GP part of our class is.
0: Gotcha. And it's what's the governing body
1: called? ARMA, American Historic Racing Motorcycle Association.
0: Okay. How long, long has that test. been? Around? No, I'm just learning. How long has it been around? ARMA. I don't know. I guess since the late '80s. Okay. So it's vintage motorcycle racing, and you guys get together all over the, all over the states, and race your bikes. We go to racetracks all over the states and road race. Point system,
1: exactly. Ten thousand. Your we top ten finishers, thousand uh, points for first place. I think eight hundred for second place. I don't know. I only care about first place. Do you ever get first place? Yeah, I do. You do?
0: Not as much anymore. What's wrong? You getting old? Old. <laughs> hey, so, how long have you been doing it? Since two
1: thousand and five, I think
0: started racing motorcycles. Yeah, on the track, you'd probably the raced track. them on the road before that. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, it's fun. That's what I do. One of the things I do,
0: and remodel uh, old RVs. Right. What do you like better? I don't know.
1: It's always changing. Yeah, that's what we're we're. It's always surprising what's changing.
0: When's your next race?
1: I don't know. They've canceled them. <laughs> it was supposed to be next month. Really, the twenty-eighth of this month.
0: So, how many are there on the tour?
1: Hmm, I'm not good with information.
0: <laughs> Come on, Jack. You I got don't it. Know. What? I don't Ten? Know. Twelve? <laughs> I have 30? opinion. I don't have information. <laughs> Fifty races?
1: No, no. We have. Uh, I think there's about twelve weekends. Okay. And we race both days. We practice on. Fridays usually, and then race Saturday and race Sunday. Okay. And uh, last time we raced was in uh, Savannah, I guess at the end of February.
0: Okay. Nice time of year to be down on the coast. It's, yeah. Was it, was it cold? It,
1: no. Uh, yes. It was freezing in the morning and hot <laughs> in the afternoon. So it was hard. I crashed
0: in my warm up lap. You crashed in your first lap? One day, yes. What 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 happened? Cold, Cold tires? tires? Yeah, I figured that. It's common sense. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have much. I of I didn't that. have any. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. So ten, ten, twelve races a year, and then at the end they crown a champion. Yes, that they take your best of top, best of ten finishes. Oh, okay. So if okay, you, so if you have two shitty weekends, then you know they don't count them.
1: Yeah, each weekend is two races though, so. So you'll have, you can you can go to five weekends and get ten finishes.
0: Oh, I see. And uh okay, are there people that show up every weekend and, and race all twelve weekends, or do people just kind of yeah, pick the ones that are close to them? Most people pick pick and choose because I'm sure they're all over the country.
1: They are. So some people stay on the west, and a lot of people stay
0: on the east. Right, because you got to tow your bike, you got to tow tools, you got to do all it's that. It's a long way. Yeah. So when you do it, do you have to like? Do you just show up with a bike and you race it and you go, or do you have to show up? Run your bike. Say, okay, it's it's behaving this way. I need to go work on it for a little bit to get it going better. Yeah, Friday is when you go practice it and change your jetting and change your gearing and try
1: and get it working with your with the weather and the track. Okay, it's always different.
0: That's that's cool. That's really cool that it's not just like you have the super bad boy bike that you can just show up every weekend and beat everybody with it. It's you know you well. We try to. <laughs> But it changes like the 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 um atmosphere changes the thickness of the air changes i'm sure the the track- the temperature around the track changes my attitude changes <laughs> so do you stay at the track is that what the r v's for just to go take all your stuff down, park it, and then you sleep in your r v yep it sounds it's like
1: fun dreamy. It does sound like fun. It is fun. It's a hoot. It's, it's, Who doesn't want to do that? It sounds great. It's what you used to pretend you were doing on your bike when you were a kid. Oh, okay. did you pretend you were racing?
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, there's a camaraderie part of it, too. I'm sure you're with the same dudes every weekend. It's yeah, a, I got all my buddies. Do you have a big group of friends from that? Pretty big. keep up with? Yeah. You make money from racing? No.
1: No, it's just a fun Spend thing? Spend a lot. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I bet you have to pay entry fees. You got to fix up your bike. You got to do all all kinds of stuff to keep keep the wheels on the road. They're expensive trophies. At the end of the day, are they? Yeah. Have you won some? Yeah, I've won a lot. Have you? Yeah. Well, I've been doing it for years. Yeah. Well, fifteen years. Yeah. What What's your biggest trophy? What's your biggest ex- most expensive trophy you've won? <laughs> well, I've won several championships, like.
1: I guess seven championship nas- national championships but
0: of the 15 years you've been doing it you've won seven of them Yeah that's like Tom Brady numbers man that's like it's <laughs> pretty good
1: Well I mean there's people that have done better but it's 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 a it's a game of numbers you have to show up Yeah I bet and, that's
0: hard too especially if it's if you have to pay for it if you Do people have sponsors?
1: Uh not really I mean I think maybe some people do but not like full sponsors. It's vintage racing. It's really just club racing. Old men nerding out?
0: Is that what it is? Yeah. A little bit? Yeah.
1: I mean, and there's young people that come in and uh, nerd out with them. Yeah.
0: And and get their asses beat. Yeah. Do, do new people get brought into the fold quickly? Is it like, oh, cool, a new person. Let's put them under our wing. Or is it like a like a no, it's stiff. A pretty, arm. No, it's open. It's pretty open. We're
1: we're always looking for people to race with. You know, you don't yeah. want to just go out there and ride around. You want somebody to come out and race with you. Yeah. So, we're always looking It it's hard cuz less and less people are working on stuff on bikes, so uh and we're racing vintage bikes that were that were cool when we were young, but a to a 24-year-old, you know, that's they, they don't even know these bikes we're racing. Like they've never seen them. The bike I'm racing, I, I knew about it when I was a kid. You know, like, I don't know. It's, it's, we're expecting them to jump into a generation, uh, before or after them. I see. Like the young, yeah. Like I mean, there's no '90s bikes out there, right? You know, and that's what a 24 year old is going to think is an old bike,
0: right? So they're they're having to look.
1: Twenty years, thirty years yeah, before they were a, even born. Why would a twenty-year-old want to ride a '60s bike?
0: Are any of them having success, like young young guys coming in, or is sure. it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah.
1: It's 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 club racing. You know, it's it's for fun. It's yeah. not like crazy competitive, but there. But there's different groups. You'll have the f- front three or four people, and then you'll have a mid pack, and then you'll have a a backpack that is a group that's. Everybody's at
0: their own pace, does that stay the same from week to week? Do yeah, you see pretty it, much it does yeah, okay. I've have, been
1: racing a couple of guys the whole time. My buddy Paul and my buddy Dave are we kind of we kind of race the two fifty and three fifty g p together all the time it's it's when Paul didn't show up, uh I don't have a whole lot to race against sometimes
0: um. Is it one of those things like cross-country running where you do your better times when you have somebody in front of you or have somebody chasing you? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So you can go out and practice all day long and you're not going to do your best time. And you, you'll drop three seconds when, some, when it gets
1: hot. Really? somebody comes out. Yeah.
0: Have you ever gotten hurt doing it? Sure.
1: Not real bad hurt. I mean, I've been knocked out and run over and stuff, but not. <laughs> what do you mean run over? Well, I mean, I you know, somebody ran over my legs, but. Oh, you don't have a limp.
0: Like, are you serious? I I don't see it. <laughs> I limp do all the time. You, yeah, you do. Yeah. Oh, I I was told never to trust a man over forty without a limp. Oh, I got. I mean, it depends on what day it is. I man. thought that was just swagger. <laughs> no, it's a
1: limp. It's the same thing.
0: Uh, well, what about photo stuff? You got any of that going? I mean, that what you've been doing? It's quiet. It's quiet quiet yeah everything seems to be a little bit quiet um what's uh what'd you do like where how'd you get your how'd you get started doing it how'd you get started doing photo stuff uh i took it in school i took it at ut i was like, in,
1: in i was in physics at first and that wasn't a very good fit and so i was switching over to architecture because my dad was an architect, and that seemed like that was a better fit, and I took some electives because I couldn't just jump in mid-year into the architecture program. And I took photography, and I don't know, it was, it was fun. I liked it, and so I just didn't pursue the architecture thing. Did you always want to be an architect or a physicist? Or I never always wanted to be anything. Always
0: changing three times in college. What did you want to be? I mean, nobody wants. I to- wanted to play. Shortstop for the Atlanta Braves. Did you really? Of course. Really? Yeah. I mean, the Braves were winning World Series That's when I was funny. eight years old, or whatever. I didn't, I, I didn't think in the future. I just thought
1: about what I wanted to do tomorrow. But photography was fun. I liked it.
0: Uh, Did it satisfy? I mean, it seems like it seems like physics is a very. I mean, it's physics. It's very, numbers and and. It's physics. <laughs> it was just something I picked. I don't know. Really, you just picked it. Yeah. It, engineering. What about engineering? I didn't pick that. Yeah, but I mean, it. It seems like knowing you now, it feels like, you know, your engineering side is pretty honed, um, and then a a cre- a creative, a creative thing, which photography is very cre- creative. Um, well, yeah. it's weird to have those two like parts working together, both. The engineering side, understanding how a camera works inside and out, but then also being able to frame a shot and ar- artistically make it make it good. It seems like two separate parts of the brain that probably very few people have. I think they're the same part of
1: the brain. You you do? I think so. I think that they've said that it's a visual. I mean, I'm a visual person. Oh, uh, I'm not a language person. But you also understand how
0: the sensor of a camera works. I I sorta. <laughs> Sorta. <of. laughs> <laughs> you talk circles around most of the people I know. I look who you're hanging around with. <laughs> That's my problem. So, uh, your dad was an architect. You said he was. Yeah. Um. What? Did, what kind of stuff did he do? Well,
1: uh, residential and doctors' offices, and he was pretty f- free living. Like what do you mean? I mean, he wasn't he wasn't a hippie because that was uh,
0: not a thing yet.
1: Yeah, he was a little bit older than hippies, and he wasn't a money kid. He came from he was kind of came from a farming family.
0: Gotcha. But
1: um, uh, so he was kind of a social uh, resistor. So he worked out of his office was out of the barn. I mean, he was real good in in the school of architecture in North Carolina. But uh, he he came back to Nashville and got a job in a firm and did his his 5 years, I think's what you got to do to get your license in Tennessee. Damn. <laughs> After school?
0: Mhm. Wow.
1: I mean, you have to work for a firm and then... It's like uh, an apprenticeship or... Yeah, something a, like that, a yeah. residency kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. forgot what they call it, but yeah. anyway, he did that, and then he came home. He put his office in the barn and... Uh, and started his
0: own Started shop. his own
1: deal, and uh, he started a foundry, too, bronze casting foundry. So we, so he sold bells in the craft fair. We made bronze bells, kind of arty bells, not not Liberty bells,
0: Um Wait, what? Bronze bells for, for, for De- like cattle or? Decorative bells? Like. Decorative bells? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> you know, bells that. People just set on their mantle and it's.
1: They hang on your, on the corner of your house. Okay. Like me? a dinner bell? No. I mean, like, you know, like Solari bells. You know, Polish Solari out in no. Tucson? Uh-uh. Uh, I think it's Tucson. Maybe it's Phoenix. Anyway. Solari, he was a architect back in the 60s and he had did arcosani and cosani the anyway my dad went out and worked with him oh I really think he was influenced by that i think that's where he got the foundry ideas
0: so your dad was working as an architect and then did a side hustle as now, a, he did that during
1: the summer uh
0: as an internship
1: in school with Solari? uh-huh gotcha And Solari made bells, and Solari made mound concrete houses out in the desert. He'd pile up a big mound of dirt, and then cast concrete over it, and then pull the dig the dirt out. No way, dude! That
0: sounds so cool, and it holds. Well, it's
1: concrete. Once you dig all the dirt out, yeah, that's crazy. What do you use to dig it out? With a shovel?
0: A pump? I wasn't there. I don't know. (laughs) But so when your dad started his architecture. It shop. didn't
1: take off at first because he wanted to – he he did one of his – he did a house for a guy. I don't know. I don't have all the facts right. But he did a house for one of his friends that it was a doctor and it was a pretty funky modern house for the time. And it wasn't the best portfolio piece for the times. You know, people wanted something more traditional. and He didn't want to do
0: traditional necessarily. So it was a little futuristic. Yeah. At the time for the 70s, yeah. What would you call it? what kind of architecture would you call it?
1: Well, I think it was it was pretty heavily heavy Frank Lloyd Wright influence. Gotcha. And uh Yeah, it was mostly I don't know, it was it was a modern because it was higher than anything Frank Lloyd Wright ever did. Oh, his stuff, higher off the ground? Uh-huh. His stuff kind of laid low. Yeah. But it had the big overhangs and had a lot of exposed redwood. And uh, anyway, he got going after a while. But he doing residential and additions. But he worked in the foundry every day, making so, bells and then eventually belt buckles and like paperweights and stuff. So we grew up around the foundry. We grew up on the farm, kind of like. I mean, it was, it was a, rough old house. That w- that had been a house in the early part of the century, and then it was used for a hay barn, and then when my mom and dad moved into it, it was uh They turned it back into a house. Uh, Where was a- it? Laverne, Tennessee. Where's that? It's uh, twenty miles south of Nashville on I twenty
0: four. Oh man. Yeah, I-24. I bet it's hot now.
1: Uh, it's not as hot as it should be. Really? Yeah, because Laverne doesn't have the right zoning yet. Gotcha. Um
0: anyway. So, so you grew up on that farm? I did. All the whole time you were growing up? The whole time. Brothers and sisters? Two brothers. Two older. Three boys, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Youngest of three boys. We had a lot of fun. I bet you know how to take a punch. <laughs> I know how to give one. <laughs> yeah. I bet. <laughs> What, the, what did they did everybody kind of buy into the the farm life is that what you guys did growing up
1: it was not farm farm we had cows but it wasn't like we depended on that it, daddy was worked in the barn we made bells and and uh and we always had to deal with the cows and uh we had goats occasionally but they weren't they were just pets mostly and we had a bunch of chickens and uh
0: how much land was it I think it was 120 acres. That's a lot of land to take care of, seems like.
1: We didn't do a lot of taking care of. We really? Did a just lot around the house? Living. Just
0: whatever kept I mean, we, trees from know, falling We out. had
1: to mow it, and we had to feed the cows in the winter and stuff. But
0: it wasn't like we were uh, tobacco farmers or anything. You weren't depending on the land to, right, to pay but, the bills. You right. had the architecture company and the foundry. Right. Did your mom work? She did not. She had to wrangle three... Punks. sounds like plenty to she me worked
1: plenty yeah
0: i bet she did uh, um so the the foundry part of it did you guys grow up working working the working your dad's side hustle is that
1: yeah we went to crafts fairs in the summer and sold the bells my dad and all of us did you know it was that kind of
0: load up the station wagon and go yeah we had an old van
1: the- load up the van and go to Atlanta and Cincinnati and Nashville. Really? Yeah.
0: Was that a big... Did that work? Was that a big part of the of family business?
1: I think so. I mean, yeah. I was a kid at the time. It seemed to work. We had a good time.
0: Yeah.
1: I never knew. I never... You know, we didn't really... We didn't talk about that. We lived cheap. My dad was super frugal. um, Very tight. Um, So I don't know. We never had to make a whole lot of money. So you guys didn't go to...
0: <laughs> the Disney world <laughs> equivalent uh,
1: eventually one time we did, yeah, um, but it was yeah, we didn't do those traditional things. we right. worked on old trucks and cars and um
0: uh, dirt bikes and so did you pick up a pretty like, a pretty decent understanding of machines when you were a kid just because it's like well if this dirt bike doesn't work I I don't get to have fun today so I better figure out how to fix it that's exactly
1: how it was everything (laughs) we got was broken when we got it and if we wanted to have any fun with it we had to get it going did you were your brothers that way too my my middle brother was way more mechanical than me and uh, he still is well he he's not as actively mechanical, but he was the one that got mostly did all the fixing Joe my middle brother yeah he he kept everything going, including the family car and the tractors yeah. um but I was medium, and then my brother john he didn't he read us books while we worked on the cars it seems he was like our a, entertainment he was like our
0: that's a good mix of like yeah. of, you know you had to have all the pieces to to keep it going.
1: It, it stayed going. Yeah, we rode go karts all day long every all
0: summer. I, I I lament that a lot because I you know I grew up a decade after after you or so, but riding your bike after school, riding your bike all day every day. That's all you did. Just go out and play, and it doesn't seem like my kids are going to grow up doing that kind but of I didn't stuff. Didn't even want to. You, you didn't want to. No, the kids don't
1: even want to. Yeah, like they've got true. this stupid device in their hand and. And we I'm not saying that it's just them. We're all guilty of it. But, yeah. man, this device is like heroin. Yeah. Like, you can't not look at it. It's crazy.
0: Uh, what do we do about that? How do we keep that? I mean, do we just, I just do we just hunker down and embrace it and say that's how kids are growing up now? I mean, in, in 30 years, are people going to say, well, kids don't even play with smartphones anymore like they did I when I was growing up? I hope up. it's
1: what they rebel against. Yeah. You know, I mean, and with all this misinformation stuff just becoming the new norm, maybe it will be what they rebel against.
0: Yeah, yeah. You see, I mean, people are still making flip phones. Manufacturers are still making them because people are people are saying, you know, I'm addicted to this thing, and I've got to I've got to do something about it. I got to take the smartphone out of my hand and go back to T nine texting and all that. I bet you see a lot more of that in the next five years. People saying, you know what, I want to I want to press pause on this whole uh main line of information of m- information or misinformation that I have my thumb on all day every day. let me take a step back. I think you're going to see it people getting away from smartphones now they'll be at a grave disadvantage in a lot of ways, I think for some things, but yeah, I don't know yeah I, it's me prognosticating i guess um so high school, you and your brothers all went to school in Laverne. We did.
1: well yeah, Smyrna High School. We didn't Laverne didn't have a high school then. So you went
0: to the closest one in the same county. We did. Yeah, it was like not far. And then, did the time come to be to say, okay, I'm going to work at the foundry,
1: or? We worked in the foundry after school, just briefly every day. We we each had our tasks. That's how we had our allowance. Oh yeah. We each did it. I mean, it's kind of funny having your kids work in a foundry. <laughs> After school every day, considering you know all the lung damage that silicosis does it's what's silicosis silicosis is a, like a it's like black lung, it's like a brown oh. lung it's and it comes from metal or? it comes from the sand that okay. you're working with it was a sand cast foundry okay sand yeah. cast what does that mean sand sand cast foundry me how you press your hand in the sand at the beach, yeah well, if you poured molten metal in there, you'd have a bronze hand, okay. And it's the same concept, but okay. sand cast. So
0: you make your molds out of sand.
1: Yeah, and it's not really sand. It doesn't look like sand at the beach. It looks like very fine brown sugar. Or it's even finer than that. It's like it's, Is it silicone? It's it's sand, it's from most of it came out of North Carolina. It was a boundary sand. It's kind of a clay based sand.
0: It's okay. real fine, powdery. And is that what people breathe in and get silicosis? Yeah. From yeah. the sand? So when you guys graduated high school and it was like, I can stay home and work the farm or work the foundry, did that happen? And you said, I'm going to go to college or
1: Uh, how did that? I think we were kind of told to go to college. Really?
0: Yeah. Well, Your dad went to college, obviously. He did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was like, you can go to
1: MTSU or you can go to UT, but you're going somewhere. And I was like, okay, I'll go to UT. So we came up here and I went to UT. There were a lot of decisions that weren't really decisions. They were just kind of things i was pushed into i felt the same way i wasn't highly motivated were you not no not really i was just like okay that's cool (laughs) i'm still like that yeah suggest
0: it i'll i'm game (laughs) maybe was ut a big 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 city shock after growing up on a farm and working with your hands and All that or no, because we went to Nashville
1: plenty, you know, when we were kids, we'd get in the car and go goof off in Nashville. Um, it was, I mean, this is a long time
0: ago, things were different. I just don't remember at all. (laughs) (laughs) What made you forget it? Uh, life, time, time. Hmm. Um, so you got to UT and you did the thing, got. Through arts art school, and then you, let me get this straight: you did you get a photography degree? Or I did. I got a degree in photography and sculpture
1: because I've always been a metal guy. Yeah. And in in high school, I took machine shop, which okay. was, uh, I don't know. It was a good. It, it was fun. It was a way I could work on my cars and get a grade for it.
0: And which you already knew kind of how to do, right? No, I was learning. Where I you- mean,
1: I knew how to keep them running, but I was. But machine shop was pretty cool for making parts, and then uh, in college yeah. I took it under my art degree. I petitioned it in to be technical and adult education. So instead of taking like life drawing, I took uh, machine shop, which was for in the education department. It was to teach teachers how to teach machine shop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that sounds me, like
1: was, a boondoggle. It was great. It was just another chance to take, get take machine shop for a grade.
0: Yeah, and so you petition to get it as part of your as part of your major. you You're an your art major. You can petition anything. I, I still think it's fascinating that you are that you you graduated with an art degree in photography and you do it actually do it because I see a lot of people who 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 do that and end up do, not being able to find a job as a photographer or um, it sounds good and shiny and creative and all that. And so a lot of people's, I think parents or other people talk them out of it. I mean, theater was the same way for me. My parents were luckily supportive of that, but you know, so many people finished, finished doing, you know, with, with a theater degree, even an MFA in theater. And it's like, okay, I can go to Broadway or. Nobody's I can ever ask
1: me if I went to school in it. Right. Like nobody cares. Right. Um, I got in at a good time. I got in in '94 when I started on my own
0: as a photographer. Yeah, and film was everything. Right? Film
1: was everything, but also it was pre-internet, so we didn't have. There wasn't any stock business. I mean, there was a stock business, but they would actually mail you a.
0: They would mail you a sheet of slides, and yeah. you picked
1: one and scanned it.
0: I mean, I remember that. I remember when I. My first PA job in LA, we had to get some, some photos for a, a documentary show that we were doing and we needed, we needed shots of a celebrity and the only way we could find them were the paparazzi. So we had to reach out to a bunch of paparazzi photographers. They sent us contact slides of all the different yeah, stuff they had and then we had to bring them in and scan them and all that. And that was right at the cusp of digital, but digital wasn't, wasn't, um, I don't think it was viable as far as an on-screen medium yet. The pictures were the size of a postage yeah. stamp. Um, yeah, so th- I didn't think about that. How that could really the internet just blew everything up.
1: Well, it blew every. So I started shooting. Like I would be like I'd go somewhere. And, like I do these one-hour shoots all the time. Like one hour here and one hour there, and which is for who. Whoever, like the power Com- company here yeah. and yeah, just for direct businesses and small agencies. But like they need a ha- they need some hands on a keyboard for something. So mm-hmm. I'd go in and just do that real quick. That's all just cheap stock now. Right. But yeah, before the for- internet, there wasn't any cheap stock. You there know? wasn't a
0: way to get your hands on that photo. So
1: I did a l- bunch of that work. And then in the n- like 99, 98, when the internet was – get and go and that's when all the stock stuff was starting to take over all the small shoots and i Uh, was yeah i had been in business you know four or five years on my own long enough to start getting half day shoots and three hour shoots and stuff (laughs) and uh and so i was just graduating above those little one hour shoots that the internet was replacing yeah so I had just made it up the ladder high enough as as the ladder was breaking away below me to get into to start getting into bigger more specific jobs more uh more client specific jobs like TVA hired me to do these to do a bunch of brochures for their generating facilities around like
0: we did all the, their turbines and dams well, the and all hydro,
1: that. i did one round of photography for their hydro plants and they told me to go out and um uh, dennis mccarthy was the art director and he just he didn't give me anything specific he said just go out and see what you can come back with which was pretty uh it was complete freedom and it was also terrifying because I didn't know what he. I was like, "Well, what do you want?" Yeah, you
0: didn't know. It, it, nobody was giving you a thumbs up or a thumbs down, right? With so what I you were shooting. With,
1: so I went to these power facilities around Tennessee, and uh, with a bunch of film, and I just started taking pictures. Like I went into the dark, you know, and started doing these long exposures and just a bunch of funky, weird stuff. I was off. I was not getting the nice, big, pretty. Uh, the shot everybody Power else plant would have taken at sunset i was getting uh i was getting just a bunch of arty weird stuff so actually it was like a continuation of what i had done in school and uh but with 5 years of experience now right and i was getting paid yeah so it was fun it was a hoot And the first the first half of the job i had 20 rolls of film and i shot right through them <laughs> so i had to stop in memphis and get <laughs> Sixty more, which back then that was like, ooh, I hope they can, I hope they'll afford this, I hope they'll pay this.
0: How much was, how much was a roll of film when you were doing that? I think it was about eight dollars or nine dollars. And that's twenty-four exposures.
1: Thirty-six, but I would bill twenty bucks a roll because processing costs money. Did you have your own darkroom? No, I did it at Thompson Photo. Oh yeah, they had, okay. uh, they had an E6 line. E6 line? I think that's what it was called. What's that? It's Darker. where they process slides. Okay. It's the chemical process. Gotcha.
0: I think that's what it was. I think it was E6. They're still there, right? Thompson Photo? They're still they there. They are. What I, are they What I, do I, they do now? <laughs> I mean, did they did they adapt
1: to the I don't know what they're doing. It's <laughs> been a long time. Digital has changed everything. I
0: think they're doing a lot of framing and printing right now. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, well, more people are taking photos than ever. You might as well you know find them somewhere along that line. I miss the whole
1: darkroom days because you'd go to the dark room and you'd drop your stuff off and I mean I miss some of it i don't I don't miss
0: the uh mystery of it of not knowing what you shot until you see it, right, yeah. But uh, you know, but you've got chops. Like you know what something's going to look like if you shoot it at this shutter speed, this ISO, and this f-stop, right?
1: No, not really.
0: Maybe I don't know. It was it was fun because you'd get your film back and you're like,
1: ooh, look at that. <laughs> I mean, you know, like and on that job where I was shooting experimental stuff with long exposures and different light sources, they'd go crazy green or crazy orange or whatever. It was fun to just get back and see what you got and.
0: That's kind of cool, uh, that feeling of, of excitement of like, Ooh, I can't wait to open this present. That's <laughs> what
1: it was like. I mean, that's what film was like. Yeah. Know?
0: And you go through it and
1: you see if you got it. Like now I'm constantly reviewing stuff on a computer. Is it, you know, I'm looking at it. Okay, I got, yeah, we like the shot. Is it sharp? Nope, it's not sharp. Let's do it again. Okay, we'll do it again. Okay, we got it. But back in film days, you just had to get, you know, shoot enough to cover yourself and hope that,
0: Hope you got the winner. Yeah, that's a that's a weird thought. Now the gratification is... Instant. It's instant. Um, but the expectations are are also... A lot more.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we, we have huge shot lists compared to what we used to have. Yeah.
0: It was go and over, overshoot because, you know, three-fourths three of it might not work or whatever.
1: Yeah, it's not as creative, I don't think... Like, the film thing wasn't as creative. It didn't seem like it had to be more set up, and and, and people will argue this, but it's actually easier to be creative now because you get it quickly, you know you got it, and, you, and then you go, well, let's see what this looks like, and let's see
0: what this looks like, and you're yeah. you're reacting to what you just did. Yeah. Um, and you're able to hone in and make it, make it better or make it closer to what you wanted it to be. Yeah. And By changing a few settings by moving your thumb.
1: Yeah. So film days was not as you shot what you 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 tried to be safe and get what you wanted to get um and you didn't experiment a lot because you didn't you weren't seeing what you were experimenting with we'd shoot polaroids you know and kind of change it i don't know i just remember it being very locked down
0: yeah um Shot I'd, Polaroids to be the the back of the camera. Now, I mean, to you'd shoot a Polaroid to say this is Polaroid what it's going to look like. Shoot a
1: Polaroid and pull it, and it's this is what, what it's going to look like. But that'd be just your starting point,
0: right? This is my frame. Is yeah. this approved?
1: Yeah, yeah. And then film would be supposed to look like that. You know, it'd be you try and stick to that. And then maybe when you thought you'd got shot a roll, it's also funny how shots were kind of defined by okay we shot two rolls on that like oh okay shot that that's how you benchmarked yeah you'd be like oh we shot two rolls on that surely we got something yeah it's like that's 72
0: shots or if you're shooting
1: medium format that's 24 shots
0: yeah you know um so that that kt or the sorry the the tva job that uh was that your first was that your first like foray into into big kind of client facing stuff. Yeah, that was the biggest job I'd ever had. It was like
1: I don't remember, it was like 3 4 days of shooting. And I'd never, you know, like I had never had a full day. Yeah, you'd always been shooting an hour or 2 hours here. My point with that whole story though was that I got I got my business going quick enough before the stock industry shut down so many smaller jobs because stock took over a whole bunch
0: of small jobs that that was that a lot of people's job back then was just a sh- they they went and they sh- made a library of still photos and then they sold them uh, once that once No, the-
1: I don't I don't know. Yeah, I mean I think a lot of people jumped on the stock wagon for that, but I'm just saying that there used to be it used to be easy to start out as a photographer or easier than it is now because there were smaller jobs that you could get. Yeah. that you weren't it, everything wasn't such a big giant job, right? And uh, and the smaller jobs were more friendly to new photographers. You know, they, yeah, it was a budgets much, were lower, and it was a much smaller investment for a client to put in on somebody they're experimenting on. Yeah. Let's see if he can do it. You know, um, so I got in just on that curve, yeah, and and got
0: going. It makes sense. It was a, a bit of a, I mean, the film to digital thing was a huge. Huge transition. Yeah. Huge a, paradigm shift. My boat, I had a boat
1: client that I still have that asked me to shoot the on-water running stuff. And they said, but you have to get a digital camera and a boat to do it.
0: A boat manufacturer you were shooting for? Uh-huh. And they said, get a boat and get a digital camera or don't show up? If you up. want this. Yeah. If you
1: want this piece of the work. I was already working with him. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. So I got a shoot boat and I got a camera. What kind of boat? It was a 22-foot. Center console offshore fishing boat,
0: like a Boston Whaler or something like that. Yeah, like it was a Palm
1: Beach, but same fiberglass. Yeah, and um, then so
0: then you got to have somebody drive it, right? While you're well, they, shooting, they, from they it. give you a drive. They okay.
1: supply a driver. They hire a guy out of Florida. Okay. Anyway, I got this digital Canon. It was like the second generation, maybe, and I was like, you know, I'll shoot. I'll do this job with it, and. I mean, I, I don't like digital. I'm not interested in it. It doesn't look right. But I'll shoot this job with it, and I'll use it for them, and it'll be worth it. Yeah. So I did. So then I was on another job down in Chattanooga, and we were talking about something with my friend Chuck, who I still work with all the time. He's a good longtime friend. I love Chuck. He's one of my best friends. Um,
0: and uh, I need to give him a hug next time I see him. You should. Yeah. Big old fuzzy one. Um. He had you bring the digital camera along.
1: No, I just had it in the bag, and and he's like, "Oh, let's we could we could try it on this. Let's do this job on on that." I'm like, "Well, I don't know." I was talking it down. He's like, "Let's just try it." So we shot a job on that digital camera.
0: What did you shoot? It as like a backup or like a second camera? Or what, no, did we you shot shoot the, the whole job on? Really?
1: Yeah, it was it was just some smaller shoot. But okay. I never used film again. <laughs> like that was ever. Pretty much maybe 10 times after that, but that was the end. My Hasselblad sat in its bag and never got used again. It was like, okay, well, this is the new way. Because as soon as everybody could see their pictures on the back of the camera, that was it.
0: That's what, you know. Well, I bet for for people like Chuck, art directors, that becomes the fact that you know for a fact that you're getting what you want right there is a huge, a huge it weight off of their minds. You know, they don't have to stress for a week to wonder if they're going to have the right yeah. photo asset yeah, for whatever brochure or whatever it is that they're...
1: Well, and again, it's a it, it helped the creative process because he could say, oh, you know what? I'm not sure I like that. Let's change jackets. Let's do that. Yeah. Because instantly they're seeing it. So art directing has become much more fluid with digital. But, I mean, that was a long time ago now. Like- yeah,
0: would you say 90... 90- Well, I don't know. 98, 99?
1: I I don't remember when I got my first digital, but probably my first digital was probably 2005 or something like that, 2002. I don't know.
0: And you've probably bought every Canon digital camera since then.
1: Well, it's all, yeah, I mean, I'm a Canon guy, but. uh.
0: But they have a pro, like a, a, a big pro body that is their. Their flagship body, yeah, yeah, their flagship body. That, yeah, and you just got to keep up, right? I mean, you
1: have to. Yeah, it's keep. not that hard. Every three years or four years, you buy their new yeah, body. Still, but like six or seven thousand dollars for the body, right? Have you ever bought a walk-in freezer?
0: <laughs> no.
1: Like, I mean, if you want to run a restaurant, you know, I mean, that's a pretty <laughs> cheap buy-in. Six or seven thousand dollars for a <laughs> machine that you're going to make your whole living on. Yeah, this one little thing you hold in your hand.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true.
1: I mean, compared to like a restaurant or a <laughs>
0: walk-in freezer. Uh. <laughs> so what? So the boat client, and then and then Chuck, and all that. So now we're now we're in the digital age. Did you see a bunch of people start to swoop in and say, "Oh, I'll just buy a digital camera and and be a photographer," or did you have enough? That's a leading question. You know this. I mean, you know kind, well, I range. know what happened to me. Like, when I know, 5D I know, D
1: came out. All the art directors, yeah, but that, that was later, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that
0: was that was ten or fifteen years later. But I know that's what happened for me with 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 the film to digital move in, in the motion picture world. Is that now all of a sudden you have a huge influx of people who now have grown up with these digital cameras in their hands, where before the the barrier to entry was so big that they could not even think about getting into it, but now. A digital camera somewhat affordable now the marketplace is kind of almost flooded with
1: with people that, did that happen to you no i my my clients were people I knew um so they were loyal yeah, I mean they call you because they trust you and it was uh it was a it was a the transition was in in the the way we worked, not in who we worked with. Gotcha.
0: Okay. That makes sense. So, so now you're growing with your client then their their yeah, work is getting, my clients
1: are my clients. I'm still working with the same, like I have a bunch of new clients, but I still work
0: with all my old clients too. Um, you're lucky, man. I mean, a lot of people got replaced, you know, cause they wouldn't move. They I'd, wouldn't budge. I take a shower before every shoot. <laughs> is that all it takes? Pretty much. <laughs> Show up on time. Don't stink. Well what's like what's your biggest what's your work that you're most proud of? Or what you've I've got a picture. I don't know if you took that one or not over there. I don't think you did. I think somebody else did. But Mr. T. Me and Mr. T over there. You didn't uh, you didn't take that, I don't think. But we were on that job we were on that together. So are there like some big some big things that stick out in your mind as as being like, whoa, I'm in the I'm in the room with you know, I'm in the room with somebody who's done a whole lot of really cool stuff. You know, like the like I was talking
1: about the TVA job where they sent me out to just be an art student <laughs> all over the state shooting just whatever. That was one of my benchmark jobs. I still really? have stuff on my website from that. Really? Yeah, I love that. That was a hoot. And, and that was one of those things where, like, Somebody just said, "Let's go see what you can do," or not what you can do, what you will do.
0: Yeah,
1: like it's not a it's not like a challenge of what you can do. It's more like a it, it it's more like what will you do? You know what I mean? It's yeah, not a competitive thing. It's a anyway that like I know that was a long time ago, but that kind of job is what you know. Like,
0: do you I think have, that you? I'm sorry to interrupt, but to me. It makes me wonder: Do you, do you miss the lack of scrutiny that you had on that? Is that the part that you lament a little bit? Because now it seems like with a, a viewfinder right over your shoulder, everybody on the set wants to come and look at what you just shot, and everybody's got an opinion. Do you miss being the guy with the camera who got to travel around and just shoot what he wanted to shoot? No, I
1: still do that though. I mean, they look over Mark's shoulder.
0: <laughs> you're,
1: you're. I'm plugged into the computer, but I don't have to. They're not over my shoulder. They're over his shoulder. Yeah. Um. No, I, I, I mean, like, I'm. It's fun to shoot famous people, I guess, but uh, it's that's usually less creative, you know, like you.
0: Well, Here that's what come. I mean too. There's more eyeballs on it. there's well, we've only got Mr. T well, for they're ten all minutes. wrapped we got... up
1: in it being Mr. T. And yeah. It's like they're not wrapped up in what you're shooting. It's
0: yeah, so yeah. some of your favorite jobs are not even the ones that they, have had the most eyeballs land on them I guess yeah. it's
1: what it's uh I mean, some of my favorite jobs are for a outdoor clothing company where we go out and stand in the rain in the mud. i was this last week, I was sitting in a creek. In the rain, taking pictures of somebody in frog tog fishing gear. That's cool. That's as fun as it gets. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm sitting in a creek in the winter, <laughs> in the rain, and I'm like, I love this. This is awesome. And you got your whole bag of lenses got right my next my to you. On. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But all your tools too, you know. And and I think I, I don't know how many people are willing to do that. You know, I've seen a lot of diva photographers who wouldn't <laughs> get out there and sit in a
1: creek in their waders. It's a hoot. That's what I want to do. I agree. That's that's the stuff that's mo- that's my most favorite is that kind of stuff.
0: I've seen some. Um, you shot some stuff with an airstream. I forget what it was for. Like a whiskey company or so- yeah, something. Yeah, the Moonshine like, Company. Yeah, Moonshine Company. And that was that looked super cool, super fun, outdoorsy, lifestyley, really styled out. Well, and you know, it told a really good really good story, it seemed like. Do you care about that part? About the, the storytelling aspect of it? Do you want each frame to tell a story or is it just oh, this is composed nicely? Yeah, I don't I think frame by frame, I'm not
1: a linear thinker. Gotcha. Um and it was just drunk kids by fire. I mean that was the story we're telling.
0: Yeah, it's so cliche. The picture's worth a thousand words. Thing, you know, but, I mean, when you ca- when you capture something like that and you capture it, it really – I mean, it. if you get it right, it tells a very powerful story m- more than – in a lot of ways, more than what I do, which is 24 of those pictures every single second. And I think that what you do with stills can be just as evocative. No. If not more. <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm just – you know, I'm just I, – I think that, you know, a lot of – there's a lot of hype around the motion picture stuff, and there's so much video every time you scroll down your phone and look at it. But you stop your thumb for a second on a really, really nice photo, and it is a – it makes you feel all – It it makes you feel just as much, if not more. The shoots I think about are the
1: ones I have the most fun on. I'm not – I mean, like, the photos are what we're there for, but I really like shoots that are fun. Like – I agree. I mean, I agree 100%. That's what I remember the most. And the pictures come out great on fun shoots, like, because it's fun. Yeah. Like, because you feel like doing it. Um, Do you,
0: (laughs) another leading question? Uh, Do you you think that people hire people that are more fun to work with? Do you think? I hope so, because I'm pretty fun. (laughs) I mean, I think so. I mean, I've noticed that more and more people. There's so many people out there who can do the work now. Fun
1: people hire fun people. Agreed. I think some people want to hire a name. I'm not a name. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I think there's people that want to impress themselves with who they can hire. I see what you mean. Um, And I, I, I don't appeal to that crowd. But that crowd doesn't appeal to me either
0: what what's your crowd i fun. mean fun people yeah fun people who have a a goal your shoots are really really fun oh I, I jack you and i have traveled all over the country and north america together at it, least knox county <laughs> <laughs> parts of blunt county that's no, right No, but we've been to canada we've been to california together we've done a lot of stuff and i gotta say man you're You're definitely spot on. Your shoots are always a good time.
1: You know, we went to Maine. Mark and I went up to Maine last year to do a thing for HGTV, I think, for their Maine cabin builders. And it was in January.
0: In Maine? Yeah. It was like like 20 degrees below zero. It
1: was two feet of snow. We were shooting on a frozen lake. And it's like like somebody sent us on vacation. (laughs) Like we had to get shots, but... (laughs) It was awesome. We went to these great little bars in these in Portland, Maine and some other little town in Maine and we stayed out in these cabins in the woods and it was snowy everywhere and uh I mean the shots turned out great, but it was just a hoot. It was just fun. Like we're on a frozen lake. How how can you not have fun out on a frozen lake? <laughs>
0: Isn't you not scared you're going to fall through or something like that?
1: No, everybody else was out on
0: it. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> You Do you have to dress up like you're, you know, in, I don't know, Siberia in the winter? <laughs> something like that when you're out that, there? It's
1: not, it wasn't crazy cold up really? there. You know, it's not, it's, it's, it's coastal. So it's not like, it's mm, not like being in some breeze. Minnesota in, the, in January.
0: <sighs> That's it, cold.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't want to be there. Yeah, we we were up there. We were both on a shoot up there in Minnesota in February.
0: Mm-hmm. Is that when your van got towed? No, that was North Carolina. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember that. Uh, I remember it snowed sixteen inches on that trip overnight. Yeah, like that. Yeah, was, there's was sixteen inches of snow on the ground. It was nuts. Anything. Um, What's uh, – anything coming up? Anything that you're excited about new or just other than the Travco? <laughs> oh, you bought a uh, – you've got a uh, – don't you have a big old like like semi-truck like, tractor trailer? On Brockway, yeah. That's pretty exciting. What, how much does that thing weigh? It's just a
1: tractor cab, so it weighs about 12,000 pounds. I yeah. took Mike to lunch in it the other day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just drove it, drove it to town and he- – Where'd yeah. you park it?
1: Uh, I We went out of town so we could park in the grass next to the place.
0: Okay. It's so it fun. could tow like a big 53-foot dry. Yeah. It's
1: a tractor trailer.
0: And what year is it? It's a
1: 1961.
0: I, I bet they make them a lot nicer now.
1: I'm sure they do. <laughs> it's like a tractor that does, that does highway
0: speeds. It, it sounds like once you get twelve, did you say twelve thousand pounds?
1: That's roughly what it is.
0: Once you get that hurling in one direction, I bet it's hard to. It's got big brakes. Does it? Yeah. <laughs> so, so the Travco and then and then the big the big truck are those your are those your big your big projects?
1: The the big truck's about done. Is so it? So now it's I'm off to RVs now. Off to RV world. What about <laughs> what about fire trucks? I haven't got it running yet. You have one though, right? I do. I have a fire truck. Why'd you get that fire truck? Uh, it was cheap. <laughs> You'd have been stupid not to buy it. I would have been stupid not to buy it. <laughs> I was stupid to buy it. You want a fire truck? Like well, who doesn't of want a fire truck? I
0: want an old Volkswagen fire truck. That way, it doesn't run ever. I didn't know they
1: made Volkswagen fire trucks. Well,
0: they made like the type the um, type twos. They made they they put hose reels on and made like really yeah the vans yeah. Germany. That was the fire oh, you truck. Know, I think at Nuremberg
1: Ring they had them as safety uh, vehicles at the racetrack. Did they? I think they were fire. I think they had Volkswagen fire trucks at the racetrack. Yeah,
0: they. I think, d- I think Harpers has one in their in their showroom. But they, yeah. But that was a that was a standard issue vehicle. You know, in the seventies or eighties or something They're like slow. that. They're very slow. <laughs> I wonder. Yeah, this four cylinder air cooled motor in them. Probably, <laughs> probably doesn't move a lot of water down the road. I Not would a think. lot of water down the road. <laughs> Anything else fun going on? You got to have something fun besides that. I'm just looking forward to shop time. Really, that's
1: where I like to be. What's what's in your shop? I've got a lot of motorcycles in my shop, and I've got some boats in my shop, and I've got some cars
0: in my shop. Like how many? How many? How many cars? What what do you, what you kind of cars you got in your shop? There's two 914s and a Falcon and an RV. Two Porsche Porsche 914s? They're really Volkswagens. Yeah. They're the same motor that's in that fire truck. I was yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except that Porsche is really small. Yeah, It's a lot lighter. Yeah. But you can like, you've got a, a metal shop pretty much, right? You can do. Just, I do.
1: I like to do machine work. I've always liked to do machine work.
0: And that's what you want more time to do? yes yeah. make
1: make parts for all this yeah it's a conflict I know I should want to take more pictures but f- again back to the fun shoots are fun and I like to be on shoots and I like to do shoots it's not it doesn't seem like it's always like I know we're going to get good images on any shoot I look forward to shoots because I like the shoots they're like a party yeah. that we work at um,
0: but the shop is a, a
1: zen place a, the shop is a zen place where I yeah. can disappear from stuff and and it's very satisfying
0: yeah well that bike right there sitting next to us that you uh, I would say I helped that was your little window into zen time it was my window into zen time it, it was that was in your barn for what 10 years I was in the shed for about that long. In the shed for ten yeah. years, and Narrowly it didn't look like that. Death. It didn't nearly escape death. But I remember you and I pulled it out of there, and and you know, you said before we're going to get it going, we're just you know, before we're going to start working on this thing and and making it all pretty, we need to see if it even runs. You had that thing after sitting in the barn, you had it running in about thirty minutes, and I, it was it took. I don't know. I came over after I put my kid to bed. I only had one kid at the time. I came over, I don't know, two or three times a week for six or eight weeks or so. And that thing's pretty darn good looking now. And it's it, pretty snappy bike. I rode it today. And I would say that I helped you rebuild it, but really I just
1: watched you rebuild We didn't really rebuild it. We just kinda of got it resurrected. But that motor, who knows? It's never the motor that's broken.
0: It's Everything always else. the
1: ancillary
0: things. Yeah, the forks and, and the
1: carburetor.
0: The, the carburetor took us took us four weeks by itself just to get it jetted right. And that was three I think three or four years ago. And I rode it today and I've never done anything to it but change the oil. I've driven it almost two thousand miles since you uh gave it to me. It's very impressive. <laughs> I appreciate it. Was it was almost worth it, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> for you? I mean, hell, it's like you're sitting here talking about how precious your shop time is, and you gave me 50 or 60 hours of it just to rebuild that I damn bike. Think that think you... you're exaggerating. Really?
1: Yeah, it wasn't that much. Well, I mean.
0: Felt like it. I'm glad it's going. Yeah. It was a nice gesture for you to <laughs> put in my hand. Yeah. Thanks,
1: Jack. Appreciate you coming over. Not very interesting, sorry. I tried. <laughs> Are you tried to be me? interesting. <laughs> Are you
0: kidding me? I appreciate it though. Thank you for coming by. You're welcome. I'm I'm happy you asked. <laughs>
1: Thank you. I was gonna get my feelings hurt there for a minute. Just a minute.
0: Well there it is, guys. Mr. Jack Parker. Wonderful dude. I love him. Uh, He's like a big brother to me. I really, really love that dude. Um, Thank you guys for listening. At South of Scruffy on Instagram, southofscruffy at gmail.com. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening right now. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is. Thank you guys again. Come back next week where I'll probably interview my wife because uh, we're stuck in the house together. All right. Love y'all. Matt Honkinen. Play me out.